when I hear the bagpipe, it feels like one of those the little scalp tickler things. <laughs> What's up, posers? Welcome to Punk Lotto Pod. I'm your co-host, Justin Hensley. I am your other co-host, Dylan Hensley. And we are flying solo this week. No guests that we could trick into doing another gimmick episode. In celebration... In celebration? I don't know. Of St. Pat- in honor? <laughs> in... In recognition. <laughs> because I don't know that we're going to be very honorable today. Uh- <laughs> in an acknowledgement... Of a holiday. In, yes, St. Patrick's Day is right around the corner. We thought we would devote an entire episode to one of the stranger corners of punk rock. You thought that we should devote an entire episode. Yeah. Got it. I tried to back out of it. <laughs> uh, I want it on the record. <laughs> I objected <laughs> to this Donnie Brook. <laughs> We are talking about Celtic punk. The, uh, what do you, I don't understand Celtic punk in all reality. Yeah. Why, uh, why does it exist? The Pogues? Why is it one of the most standout sub-genres of punk? Like, like nobody gives a shit about cowpunk, you know? Can you even name a cowpunk band? The Meat Puppets. Are they? Yeah. Sure, okay. Like, X was sort of considered cowpunk a little bit. That's because Billy Zoom actually played in rocket or rockabilly bands. John Doe essentially is a country musician, <laughs> especially his solo work. Yeah, Celtic punk along with I guess like horror punk and what folk punk. <laughs> I don't know. Folk punk doesn't have such a like un- distinct or specific sound. Basically, if you just use acoustic guitars, you can be considered folk punk. Horror, yeah. horror punk, you have to sing about monsters and shit. And uh, Celtic <laughs> punk... <laughs> you sing about being Irish. They all do that, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Like, maybe I'm not familiar enough with Celtic music, but I feel like Celtic music in general just sings about being Irish a lot. <laughs> Which, I want, to, I want to say that... In terms of traditional Celtic music, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, being, being, you know, l- largely an oppressed people. Until um, what? <laughs> the I <mean>. 60s? <laughs> it's funny that the Irish did not used to be considered... Like, the Irish and the Italians weren't really considered white until, like, the 60s. <laughs> and, uh... Because they were treated like shit for a long time. But, um... Yeah, and plus their issues with England have is very well documented in history books. As to uh, English and Welsh descendants, <laughs> we're probably not the most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're super English. Like <laughs> all of the surnames in in both sides of our family, it's like Hensley, Styles, Smith. Yeah. Trying to think if there's any other we names. Have, we have Smiths on both sides of our family, yeah, so yeah, that yeah. shows you. <laughs> uh, Young, yeah. Roach is that is that British? That could be German. I, don't, I wouldn't know. That name also came by marriage, so yeah. <laughs> anyway, our ancestry.com results. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we 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 don't really have any Irish in us. Like none, no like major threads of irish so <laughs> we were probably not the right people to be talking about this but it is one of the um staples of punk rock i guess uh, i guess yeah, i mean well how, i mean there's plenty of people who are not irish at all who <laughs> yeah. go see flogging molly for saint patrick's day yeah i mean <laughs> and get wasted and on green beers yeah so getting jacked on green beers 
Aqualine Trio. Uh, they, I don't know. They're from Chicago, so I don't know. <laughs> well, Dan's not Irish. <laughs> yeah. You mean Andriano? <laughs> that classic Irish last name? <laughs> I don't know what Skiba is. I don't, it doesn't even sound like a real last name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Call me Matt Skiba. <laughs> no. What about... Yeah, do it, do it. It'll sound cool. What about Mike Fumley? Fumley? <laughs> Falumley? Falumley? I don't know what that last name is. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, this is a show we're using a number generator and the Rate Your Music Punk charts. We choose one album and one EP at random to discuss. And this week, instead of plugging in a specific year, we just put all-time Celtic punk into the charts. So, one thing I noticed when we did this is we only got three pages of results. And... <laughs> and, like, five bands. Yeah. So... <laughs> On the front page, the top 40 Celtic Punk albums on Rate Your Music consists only of The Pogues, Flogging Molly, Dropkick Murphys. That is actually the top 10. It's just yeah, those the three top artists 10 is, repeating. It's only those three. Um, actually, the top 15 yeah, are those three artists. Shane McGowan. Yeah. And... Uh, then you get the Dreadnoughts. Not really familiar with them. They look like uh, to be a uh, combination of a lot of different things. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's um, there's also the other gimmicky uh, genre of punk called gypsy punk. And I know that's not the accepted term. It's Roma. But uh, yet there's an entire genre that still gets called gypsy punk. Uh, so thanks, Google well, Go- Bordello. I mean, he actually is Roma, so... Yeah, but the- it's one of those things where it's like, if they call themselves that, it's okay, obviously. Yeah, but I don't there, think- there are a large, well, there's a pretty substantial percentage of Roma people who identify as Gypsy and not Roma. So, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a problematic term. I don't know if anyone in the Dreadnoughts are. No, they're from Vancouver, British, Can- <laughs> British Columbia. They also are listed as sea shanties, so, you know, the best Pol- yeah. polka and Balkan folk music, so that's, uh, continuing down, um, the next, I guess the most well-known band that we're not talking about today, that's not the Flogging Molly <laughs> or the Pogues, is probably the Tossers, um, they're, they were at a Victory Records Celtic punk band. It's basically whenever uh, Foggy Molly got real big, Victory was like, "We need one of those," and then signed them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then then you get uh, the real Mackenzies, who are not. Uh, yeah, they're not Celtic. They're Scottish. <laughs> well, it doesn't Celtic actually cover some Scottish as well. They're not no. Irish. Well, I don't know. I guess it does. Yeah, I think it's considered. We should probably Google this. Generally refers to the languages and respective cultures of Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Cornwall, the Isle of Man, and Brittany. So you can be Celtic and not Irish. So that's that's fine, I guess. It's worth mentioning because our EP later uh, <laughs> it's not Irish either. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll save that for later, though. Yeah, it's the same like six bands on this front page over and over and over again. And then you get into bands you've never heard of, like Blood or Whiskey and the Rumjacks, which I think I've heard that name before. So it, I thought this was a deeper genre than it really is. And I'm pretty sure, like, if you went to any, like, Renaissance fair or, uh, like, a, a Highland game type situation, you'll see so many self-described, like, Celtic punk bands playing who've just, like, never recorded an album. <laughs> or, like, they only just play, like, traditional Celtic music as with, like, punk song structures or, you know, distorted guitars. So I I guess I assumed that we would see more of that kind of stuff, but it's surprisingly uh, few. Or maybe it's just all out there and no one's rating them on this website. But anyway, this week we got number 10 on the album charts. And it is uh, the Dropkick Murphys with their album Sing Loud, Sing Proud. 
Fitting that our first attempt at a Celtic Punk episode would feature the drug policies. In case we never do another one, at least we got the biggest one out of the way. The Are biggest? Th- hmm. Now that's a good question. I would say Flogging Molly is the bigger. You think Flogging Molly is bigger than Dropkick Murphy's? Yeah. I don't think so. The flogging- I know people who aren't into punk who like Flogging Molly. Yeah. There's a- that's also the same for Dropkick Murphy's. They had songs in fucking the dis, uh, what's that Scorsese movie? Uh, I I don't know. The Departed. There you go. Going up to Boston, shipping up to Boston is in The Departed. So, I, I, Dropkick Murphys have a little bit bigger pop culture. Uh, all of these, fl- there's like three flogging molly records that are all ranked higher than dropkick murphy's on on the chart and they all have more ratings there are on last fm there are one million dropkick murphy's listeners and for flogging molly there are eight hundred thirty-six thousand. we could use well, the spotify the ma- murphy's are so big then why have i never heard them before <laughs> how have you never heard the dropkick murphy's before in all fairness, probably entirely out of actively avoiding hearing <laughs> the Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> Dropkick Murphys on Spotify have 2 million monthly listeners. How many do Flogging Molly have? Flogging Molly has... It's not loading for some reason. Why is it not giving me the numbers on there? It's that few, I guess. Um, they have 15,000 monthly listeners. No way, that's just in Chicago, though. What, why is it breaking it down by city? <laughs> Oh, anyway. I'm pretty sure Dropkick Murphys are the most well-known. Well, then you got to think about the Pogues, though. The Pogues are probably the most well-known. Cause they've, yeah. They've been around the longest. I don't know. That fairy tale of New York is on everybody's Christmas playlist. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, let's get some basics out of the way. Dropkick Murphys are from Boston, Massachusetts, in case you didn't know. <laughs> Just listen to track one on this album. Um... This band could not exist in any other city in the United States. Um, they formed in 1996. This was released on February 6th, 2001 on Hellcat Records. So thanks a lot, Tim Armstrong. This is their third album, and the person on this record is Al Barr on vocals, Ken Casey on bass and vocals, Matt Kelly on drums and Bodran, some kind of drum, uh, James Lynch on guitar, Mark Orl on guitar and accordion, Ryan Foltz on the mandolin, tin whistle, and dulcimer, and Spicy McHaggis on the bagpipes. Uh, yes. And the album was produced by Ken Casey himself. Well, more than I expected to. You know, uh, same. <laughs> so, my... Uh, <laughs> I mean, first track for Boston, Yeah, I was like, oh no. Um, <laughs> it's a hooligan chant. Uh, it, it, 
it's it's a um a cover i guess of the boston college fight song so it's like an actual thing that gets sung at sporting events yeah you know it gets sung at every dropkick murphy's show it probably starts every dropkick murphy's show i've not even looked but i bet it does your smoke detector just went off it's my coffee maker (laughs) (laughs) it beeps when it turns off it's fine (laughs) it's only a little fire (laughs) yeah i was i was expecting more of a flogging molly situation (laughs) um I I was surprised at really the diversity um among the songs here. Uh, there's a there's a pretty big variety. And I I think that that like in one way to to some degree I would have I could criticize this record for the lack of consistency with the stated genre. <laughs> um <laughs> But I don't necessarily want to criticize it for that because the stuff I liked the best was the stuff that was, like, the least Celtic. (laughs) And in all fairness, I just don't... I just don't have enough interest in Celtic music. I mean, it's just not for me. Like, it's not because I think it's bad. I genuinely just don't think it's for me. It's not. So I preferred the stuff that is, like, much more straightforward punk... Um, there's like, and there's even like some surf <laughs> what? and rock and roll influences. Like, yeah, like some rockabilly ness, which was kind of interesting. I don't know. So the dropkick Murphys are essentially like a half st- Boston street punk band and half Celtic punk band. Like I expected bagpipes on every single song and thankfully they are <laughs> not. Yeah. I-, I don't like the bagpipe. <laughs> in general yeah just generally it 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 feels like when i hear the bagpipe it feels like one of those the little scalp tickler things <laughs> <laughs> it's just like <laughs> an ice cube down your down your neck I did i'm not, sorry i, did. I just <laughs> I did not know you felt that way about the the bagpipes. <laughs> I like the bagpipes. I think it's a kind of a cool instrument. It's weird. It's weird how you how it even makes music. <laughs> it's like you <laughs> pump air into it and it creates you have to have this drone, but then you also have like this fluting action over here and it's like it's a weird instrument, but it's kind of kind of neat. I mean, I think it's interesting. Like the construction of it and the operation of it and the droning aspect of it, I think is interesting. Like, I mean, it's similar to like the hurdy gurdy, you know, in terms of like your constant drone and it's not very graceful <laughs> in terms of like your, there's, there's no, there's no glissando from notes to notes. Like it's all, it's very strict staccato note changes, but there's something about the bagpipe specifically that just the timbre of it i don't know makes me itchy <laughs> now what do you feel about the uh tin whistle it's fine yeah it's a it's a little shrill but it's fine i feel like the tin whistle gets more playtime on this album than the bagpipes do yeah which makes sense because it's more traditional irish instrument than the bagpipes bagpipes tend to lean more scottish um uh, there's also some like a lot of mandolin on this record as well. I, there were times where I was listening to this and I was going, "Hey, this song does not have any bagpipes." And then like, <laughs> if you like li- listen real close, you can hear some in the, way in the background. So like, even <laughs> if it's on the song, it's not that prevalent, which is good because if every single song had the <laughs> over it, <laughs> then it would have been unbearable to listen to this record. That being said, this album is way too long. Well, it's 45 minutes. <sighs> That's like the maximum amount of time I, I I have patience for, for a punk record. Actually, a record in general. <laughs> I don't want to listen to anything longer than 40 minutes, usually. Sweet Spot is 25 to 30 minutes long for me. <laughs> Left the girls and Tom and nearly broke 
there are a couple just like Irish folk songs that you covered on here. There are two on here. Okay, I was I wasn't sure if some of them sounded really traditional, so I was curious. So like, uh, it's uh, what the Rocky Road to Dublin is a traditional one. I figured that one. That one was the most obvious, but and what was the other one? I can't remember what the other one is. Maybe the Wild River. I'm not entirely sure. Um, there's only two. Yeah, there's only two traditional songs. There's um a couple re-recorded songs. So like uh, the Legend of Finn McCumhale and Caps. What was that one called? Caps and Bottles. Caps and Bottles. Those are re-recorded versions of earlier Dropkick Murphy songs. So like there are five tracks on here that they didn't even have to write. <laughs> there's 16 tracks on this record. Ugh. It's a long record. <laughs> it's it yeah. It was hard for me to get through. And one of the things that made it bearable to get through is when they would do something like um I don't know, like uh Ramble and Roll or uh The New American Way, which sounds like a seventies like seventy seven almost like a ska song without horns in some parts, mm-hmm. and then the big riffs would be like these seventies like style guitar licks and it's when they went full blown we we're Irish, here's the Irishness. That I'm like, oh my god! Like the last track, stupid spicy McHaggis jig. <laughs> it's it's not good. <laughs> it's it's a filthy song too. The lyrics. Yeah. I didn't notice any of the lyrics on any of the other songs except that one, and I was like, ugh, gross. <laughs> Some of the lyrics caught my attention. Um, not any particular lines, but as far as like the general themes of the songs, there's a lot of there's a lot of war songs, mm-hmm. which. I don't like. <laughs> they were, um, they're a weird band. So I was looking into, like, kind of like where they, they do a ton of charity work. Like, they do a lot of charity work. And they've done stuff, a lot of stuff for the troops, which, eh, I don't know. I'm conflicted on that aspect, but they seem a little more pro military than I'd appreciate. They're also more, yeah. they're more pro cop than I would like. Yeah, there was an incident where like some teenager got arrested and shouted "Dropkick Murphys" as he was being arrested, and he was on video. And then like they sent the police station a bunch of "Dropkick Murphys" merch. It was weird. Yeah. They're, um, but they're also super pro union. Yeah. Like, like mo, they do a ton of work for like unions and firefighters. So <laughs> like I don't know, they're they're mostly on the right track. Um, yeah, I mean, um, which side are you on? That's entirely a, a, just about unions. <laughs> yeah, um, they're not. There's, a, there's one of the lines that's like, hold on, I gotta look it up. Interesting. I don't. Huh, it's kind of funny. I looked up which side are you on lyrics, and it pulls up a Pete Seeger song. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, it's a reference to it because um, there's lines about Harlan County. You'll either be a union man or a thug for J.H. Blair. Yeah, it's actually a... I think it's actually a cover of a Pete Singer song. Um, it may just be borrowing lines, because I didn't see anything. Though that would explain why it has a weird, like, country guitar rhythm to it. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's listed on... If you go to that song's Wikipedia page, it's listed uh, as another version. Hmm. There's a lot of... There's a lot of covers of that. <laughs> some in, Some weird ones, like... Talib Kweli <laughs> and <clears throat> Panopticon. Um, it's weird because it's not really like credited as a cover on the album. Strange. Yeah, but there's a lot. I love. I love the line. Will you be a lousy scab? Just that was the the line in particular that st- stuck out to me. Yeah, but it's there's a lot of like war warrior, which I don't know in terms of like if you're writing about you know celtic opposition to uh britain I don't know. <laughs> um i guess that's kind of valid but i think when you're an american band singing all these like pro warrior songs it's they're kind of weird especially when this came out in 2001 that may be why it's there though no but it came out in um earlier in the year so 9-11 hadn't happened yet so this yeah. came out in february they were on the rock against bush compilation they're pretty anti-republican um 
I think some like Republican senator or someone or a, a governor maybe maybe it was Walker used uh, one of their songs at a rally and then they were like you better not fucking play that song again or we'll come beat you up with our hammers I don't know <laughs> hammers <laughs> I don't <laughs> shillelaghs yeah <laughs> so yeah they're punk they they get it for the most part. I mean, I don't know. they're from Boston. I mean, Boston has a, a distinct image. Not image. There's some traits that are pretty specific to like Boston punk in general that they kind of fit in with. I mean, they were they were brought on tour with the Mighty Mighty Bostones on their Let's Face It tour in '97. So, uh, and they kind of remind me of the Bostones in a way that. The Mighty Mighty Boss songs are a ska band, but not every song is a ska song. And they do that sort of street punk thing as well. So, yeah. it Dropkick Murphys, I think, do this better than Flogging Molly does. Whereas Flogging Molly, it feels like a, a, it feels like a gimmick. Whereas with Dropkick Murphys, it feels like they just throw on some traditional instruments and a cover every once in a while. Whereas with Flogging Molly, they're singing songs about being fucking pirates. <laughs> there are some pirate lyrics um <laughs> on here but it might be a traditional song i'm not sure which one it was yeah <laughs> yes every flogging molly record sounds like or every flogging molly song sounds like it's supposed to be pirate punk um <laughs> dropkick murphy's have some versatility there are a couple of i think really good songs on this record um I thought The Gauntlet was really good. I think it might be the best song on here. Mitchell the New American Way, that one was really good. Um, that kind of reminded me of like Toy Guitar and like Rocket from the Crypt mm-hmm. a little bit. So kind of along the lines of what you were saying. Uh, yeah. And and that's an interesting one too, I thought, lyrically, from a lyrical standpoint. Um, it's, from what I gathered, it seems to be about, about assimilation and, you know, feeling like you're losing your culture, which I think is, I think that's a particularly... Um, interesting theme to hear, especially in light of like current events and you know, and treatment of native people and Latino cultures, and so it's to think about that and apply that to Irish and Celtic culture. I, I think it gave me a little bit of compassion for ha- wanting to hold on to that identity of being an Irish American because there are people alive today who remember being called hateful slurs and you know refused service yeah who were irish (laughs) you know who had the same skin tone as you and me so Mm -hmm. though also the irish aren't uh completely innocent either when it comes to uh treatment of uh different people (laughs) no yeah i mean that's remember they are white so (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i don't i i would say that if it's I would say that's a good song to try to bridge the gap for white racists <laughs> <laughs> to be able to say like there there are people who look like you who have experienced oppression. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> um, you shouldn't need to do that, but right. Well, that's racism. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't need to explain to you that it's bad, <laughs> but unfortunately, we do. <clears throat> so. I, I would think we need every tool in our arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's some interesting little behind-the-scenes things about this record. Uh, this album actually features guest vocals by Shane McGowan from The Pogues. I wouldn't know it, because everybody sounds the same on this record. 
Oh, maybe he's the one who... Which song was it? I think it might be Which Side Are You On, but I can double check. Because there was definitely someone with an accent on here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, are they... If they're doing fake accents, we can do fake accents. But if it's Shane McGowan... <laughs> uh, let's see if I can find it. It says... um, just features collaborations with Shane McGowan and Colin McFall of Coxbarer. It doesn't say which one. The covers are uh, the Rocky Road in Dublin and the Wild Rover, so I got those right. Yeah. Um, I might have to go to Discogs to find which track Shane sings on. I didn't notice really an accent, though. Uh, if anything, I noticed a British or a Boston accent. <laughs> yeah. Because well, this yeah. is Boston as fuck. <laughs> 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 we gonna go to Donkey Donuts. <laughs> um, you can we can make fun of the Boston accent yeah. all we want. Good Rats. That's the one that Shane McGowan's on. It's the one with mandolin on it. There it is. Written by Florence Reese. Which side are you on? Yeah, that's the. Yeah, okay, you're right. That was the. That's also a cover. I don't know why the Wikipedia does not have that actually listed as a cover. And as far as so. This album also features guitar work from their previous guitarist, Rick Barton, uh, on a couple tracks. Uh, He left the band early on in the recording of this record. And uh, so then they brought in James Lynch from the Ducky Boys to replace him. And then they added another guitarist. I think they were a single guitar band before. But then they added Mark Orrell, who was 17 at the time, which is Hmm. interesting. Sounds irresponsible. But... um, (laughs) uh and this is also the first record where ryan fultz and spicy mchaggis were really part of the band even though they're only on a couple tracks on this record so they i don't i got the impression that they hadn't fully committed to the entire lineup being this band until after this record came out and i don't know that they had like a, a regular bagpipe and tin whistle player with them when they played i would assume they probably just like picked somebody to go on tour with them when they would play and then but there wasn't like a full-time member like the boston's do that too where they have like these extra horn players that aren't technically members of the band but they're they play on the records occasionally they don't maybe not tour but yeah it's um they apparently made music videos for this album as well i never did look up to see what they were oh i'm looking at my notes i have a note here that says every song is a march (laughs) that was one of my bigger gripes probably more than the like necessarily the overtly celtic sounding songs i think the more annoying thing was how often they would do the like the snare roll like like stop doing that you don't have to do that on every song um they did it a lot not every song but it was frequent and it was annoying every time so i'm looking at the music video for the the gauntlet which i was surprised that they made that the single Hmm. because it's not one of the more celtic-y songs on the record it's one of the better tracks on the record which i guess i guess that makes sense too they were just like what's the best song on the record well that one yeah but you think you'd pick one that'd be more representative of what they became known for it's like a standard performance video with like flashes of black and white footage. Lead singer's got some greased back hair though. That's funny. Looks like your standard uh, Hellcat music video <laughs> from 2001, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they did a video for the Spicy McHaggis jig. Of course they did. And that dude's not even in the band anymore. Good. <laughs> he like is only in it for a couple years and then he leaves. This is the one that was the more representative of the Celtic stuff. Also, is it the worst song on the record? Spicy McHaggis? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I said that I enjoyed this record more than I expected to. (laughs) Overall, I gloss over on a lot of it. Oh, Um, well, it's because it's too long. Yeah. There are, are too many songs that are completely forgettable. Like, I... I don't remember what they sounded like. (laughs) But I do want to say, my favorite part of this record, I think, well, not this, but I do think that all of the vocalists on here sound good. Like, no one's voice really bothered me or anything. Like, they 
sounded pretty good. There's at least one vocalist who, and there are times where they remind me of like the Mighty Mighty Boss tones, um, and other times where they remind me of Against Me vocally. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I could see that. But I, I, I do think my favorite part of the record, the guitar tone is perfect. Like it is great. <laughs> it's this really like gritty, chimey sort of clean not super like not super crunchy or distorted just like a good loud amp like a vox or something like that i thought it was it was really well dialed in guitar sound it's probably one of the standouts of the record and it, in and overall the recording the mixing the mastering like it all it all sounds right I like thought it, it was all sounds good that it was self-produced recorded essentially yeah it doesn't sound low budget um it doesn't sound like you know super pro tools hi-fi you know like something from 2001 could easily sound <laughs> but you know, I don't know overall i'd give it a yeah scale of one to a, five what would you give it i'd probably give it a 3.25 i'm gonna i'm gonna put it right there at a three it's a little too long for my taste and it's a little too irish <laughs> no uh it's it. I don't listen to Celtic punk for a reason. It it's a little clowny to me, uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it's fine. It's better than I thought it would be. I thought I was going to be like gritting my teeth through this whole record, and at the worst that happens is I just kind of like glaze over and like stop paying attention to what's happening. But yeah, we can move into our EP then. So we got number twelve on the EP charts, and it is Flatfoot Fifty Six with their EP. I believe it. Chances I believe in Living as a time clock dances I believe in Throw your fear into the ocean I believe in Oh, it's hard to stop what's put in motion I believe in Hey! Flatfoot 56 are from Chicago, Illinois, so the second city that a band like this could exist in. Well, well, Flogging Molly is from L.A., so... But the lead singer is from <laughs> Ireland, so <laughs> Dave King is from Ireland. I don't know about the rest of those members. One was a skateboarder. Yeah. But we'll say that after next year when we talk about Flogging Molly. Right. Um, we'll do Flogging Molly and the Pokes next year, and then we'll be done. Yeah, we'll never do it ever again. Um... <laughs> And I'm fully aware that Flatfoot 56 are more of a Scottish punk band. So for St. Patrick's Day, it doesn't quite make sense to <laughs> be talking right. about this band. They're still, as we discussed earlier, I guess it would still be considered Celtic punk. But we actually, I think when we drew the names originally, we drew the real Mackenzies first. And we're like, no, we can't do them. They're Scottish. They're not really Scottish. They're from Nova Scotia or British Columbia, one of the two. I can't, they're opposite sides of the country, but I can't remember which one. Well, I mean, okay, St. Patrick is canonized in the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, I mean, they're not really, they're not Irish, so you know, we're kind of getting a pass. But we're just talking Celtic punk. So, uh, this was a digital-only EP and was released in May of 2012. So late. I believe it was meant to be like an EP in promotion of their 2012 album, Toil which came out on paper and plastic later that year. Uh, in fact, the first track on here, I believe it is on that record. And then that record also features the last track, I'll Fly Away, which is a gospel song. Um, that one, I think, is a full band version, whereas this is an acoustic version. So the only truly unique song on here is the middle track, Cotton Fields, and I'd, I need to figure out what that song is. <laughs> uh, personnel on this record is Tobin Ballwinkle on guitar and vocals, 
Kyle Bawinkle on bass and Justin Bawinkle on drums. I hope I said that right. It's B-A-W-I-N-K-E-L. What else? How else would you say that? Uh, Eric McMahon on bagpipes and guitar and Brandon Good on the mandolin. <sighs> okay. Flatfoot 56 are known as the Christian Celtic punk band. Yes, just like Ballydows. <laughs> if you know your Christian punk, uh, you'll get that reference. Oh, I figured out what Cotton Fields is. What is it? It's a Lead Belly song. Oh, so these whitey whites are singing Lead Belly, huh? Well, CCR did it too, so. Well, <laughs> sure. <laughs> At least we know John Fogarty's not a Republican. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you can say that about Flatfoot 56. Ah, you never know with these Christian <laughs> Christian punk bands. They strike me as the evangelical type. <sighs> well, they're most famous for their cover of Amazing Grace. So that's why they covered I'll Fly Away on this record. Yeah, there's not too many Christian Celtic punk bands. Bally Dows is probably the most well-known other one. And they're not even that well-known. That's, that's, that's going deep into your Christian punk knowledge, so... If you're aware of uh, the Jesus people and like their relationship to Christian punk, then uh, I believe members of that group formed Valley Dows, which was like a collective. It, it's a whole weird thing. It, <laughs> Christian punk is weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I know so much of it. Ugh. Yeah. Um, what do you think of this three-song EP? I didn't like it. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> yeah, it's the title track is not great. I believe it. It's the chorus, right? Yeah. This was on paper and plastic. Yeah, yeah. So weird. Paper and um, plastic The is a weird label. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it like less than Jake people? Vinnie Fiorello? Yeah, I think so. They're one of those record labels you're like, yeah, that's a legit punk label. And then you look at what they've put out, and you're like, what? How? The so- skulls. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the- right. They make, like, plastic skulls. Like, that's one of their <laughs> their second... <laughs> Say you believe in the crystal skulls. <laughs> uh, this came out in 2012. What else did pl- Paper and Plastic put out in 2012? What year's limited edition plastic skull did they release? Uh <laughs> They're always at fest. <laughs> well, because they live there, don't they? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, in 2012, they also put out records by uh, Red City Radio. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that makes sense. Junior Juggernaut. <laughs> Russ Rankin. We Are the Union. Coffee Project. Foreign Tongues. Break Anchor. John Snodgrass. Yeah. You know, Aspiga. Larry and his flask. <laughs> Nightmares for a I've week. Had, I've had a Spiga on on my list to see at Fest probably like every year that they've played. I'm like, a Spiga. <laughs> Never listened to them. They put out a Pentimento album. It's like every band that plays Fest every single year that you're like, who's a, who's a fan of this band? <laughs> Weirdly, Flatfoot 56, I don't think have played Fest. Uh, though, I don't know. They probably... Well, if the Huntingtons can, yeah. then yeah, woof. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another reference. Um, didn't lead singer of this band sound a lot like Ethan Luck? Yeah, I guess. I guess that's the thing that I liked about them. <laughs> <laughs> I liked their cover of "I'll Fly Away" only because um, that's how it sounds at church usually. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like the the false start? Oh intro? no, they <laughs> uh, they do it like four. They did false start it like multiple times. <laughs> hey, ready? One, two, three, four. One glad morning when this life is over. You know what? You're 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 real loud. Keep checking, Brandon. Check. Hey. One glad morning. There we go. When this life is over. All right, All right let's try again. Ready? Ready? Good. I have an itch on my head. All right, there we go. One, two, three, four. One glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on K. 
No, we'll leave it in. We'll leave it in. It'll sound more real. <laughs> like, it's, it's it's a really easy song, guys. <laughs> the one guy, I think, started too high, and that's why they did that. It's it's, like, Just let him settle back down into it. It's fine. He'll figure it out, like everybody in a church. Like every person who ever sings this song. That you start too high, and then you're like, ah, shit. And then you had to come back down. Uh... <laughs> Because you realize where you're going to have to go. Yeah, yeah. That's where it's... It's like, it doesn't start high, but yeah, it gets there. You have to start lower than you normally would start a song. And this has been... <laughs> well, you're playing it with an acoustic guitar. You should know what key it's in. <laughs> G. Find the note. <laughs> um, this... Yeah, it's it's so forgettable. I believe it. Did you know they did uh, two theme songs for WWE wrestlers? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> they did a theme song for the wrestler Seamus. So, you know, the giant Irishman. <laughs> and uh, for Johnny Curtis, for wrestling fans, we'll know him as Fandango. But, uh, yeah, okay. It sounds like, you know, this, the way the song, I believe it starts, it sounds like a commercial for, like, the CW. That, that little man. It's, oh, is this... Is this we're in the middle of Stomp Clap in 2012? Right at the beginning of it, yeah. The way um, that little mandolin in the intro starts, it's like this feels like an ad for like a Carnival Cruise or something. I was trying to remember they were on Flickr Records. Yes, that is their Christian uh, gateway. Yeah, that Flickr was, uh, Records. So I guess when Flickr Records went under, <laughs> <laughs> what if Flickr Records is still around? Uh, then they, they found their way into, um... A seed label? Yeah. What? What? Kyle Bawinkle. Um, Kyle Baw with the Baw. While not touring and playing with Flatfoot 56, sings for Hardcore Side Project, Sexually Frustrated. What? Uh, interesting. Uh, Flicker Records still exists. <laughs> just thought you should know that wow what did they put out i don't know let's look at discogs to find out it's owned by the audio adrenaline so yeah who was it I'm trying to think which flickered records we owned um the last thing they put out was 2017 was 117 and they've done that band Fireflight. Oh. <laughs> which flicker records do we own any um let's see let's look at the discography um i want to say staple Ooh, Sub seven staple. What was their deal? They were new metal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they put they out. They were a hard rock band. Yeah. Uh, Pillar. They put out uh, the first Pillar album, the first one that you could get that was not self released. Yeah, we had uh, Arm Flicker Records compilation. Army. <laughs> Army metal band. T Bone. Remember T Bone? He was a rapper. He, oh, okay. They did the original fireproof pressing as well. Everyday Sunday. You had that CD. Oh yeah. Ah uh, yes. Mortal Treason. Sub Seven. <laughs> yes. I was on the Sub Seven message board as a teen. Yeah. And I found out later <laughs> that uh, so was my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I think we kind of like missed each other. We might have overlapped a tiny bit, but uh, I think she stopped being active kind of around the time that I started posting on that board. I was on the staple message board as well. Man, message boards. Yeah. I was on the Demon Hunter message board and the Roper board because the Five Iron <laughs> Frenzy board was too mean. <laughs> <laughs> so mean. <laughs> 
so was the Demon Hunter message board. Yeah, but I was part they of the They were mean brutal. Stuff. <laughs> DH is Wicca. God, this is like the most niche discussion we could possibly be having right now. Yeah, it turns out there's very little say, little to say about uh, a Flatfoot 56 EP. Yeah. Where two of the songs are covers. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not good. It gets better as it goes along. Yeah. It's I would say that their original material was the weakest. <laughs> I believe it. I'm not going to knock a Lead Belly song. Even um, if it's done poorly. Yeah. Well, I'm... I mean, I guess I'll knock their version of it. <laughs> like, I don't even... I can't even think of the CCR version. It's probably not even well-known. Let me see which record that was on. It was on Willie and the Poor Boys, which apparently their version hit number one in Mexico in 1970. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know why. Weird. <clears throat> ah, scale of one to five, what do you give this? Ugh, two. Yeah, that's how I feel. Two. Yeah, I'm not going to... It's competent. Yeah. But it's not good. <laughs> okay, now for our wrap-up question. You get into a time machine and go to the year 2001 to see Dropkick Murphys or 2012 to see Flatfoot 56. Which would you choose? Uh, Dropkick Murphys. Yeah, hands down. Yeah, just no doubt. <laughs> I mean, there's just like... <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would even go to see Flatfoot 56 in 2001. Like, I don't... Can I go to 2012 and see Bruce Springsteen sing with Dropkick Murphys? <laughs> when is that when he did that? Yeah, I don't know when that, that was. Seems right. Um sometime in the 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would or even the see 2010s, whatever. Yeah. I would see Dropkick Murphys in 2012. I would see Dropkick Murphys in 2001. I would see Dropkick Murphys in 2020. Like I would pick yeah. them over Flat 56 no matter what year it is. <laughs> Maybe if a Flatfoot 56 show was at a Cornerstone Festival that I really wanted to see. <laughs> yeah, but you're not going to see no, Flatfoot 56. You have options. Yeah. So that's the rule. You have to stay and watch their entire set. So, And you don't get to see any of the openers. That'll... that'll <laughs> I shouldn't make that a rule going forward. Because you can always be like, well, I'd rather go see this show at this time because there's a good chance that the openers will be really good, too. So yeah, it, it it can't be like well Ethan Luck is playing with Flatfoot Fifty Six. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I would still rather go see Dropkick Murphys. I mean, I feel like that crowd is just gonna be more fun. My uh, my wife saw Flatfoot Fifty Six. Oh, good. I want to say, <laughs> uh, at some point Ugh. with her with her church friends. That's <laughs> the only way anybody sees Flatfoot 56. <laughs> We're going to go see Flatfoot 56. Why? Why are you going to spend your money on that? Because our parents won't let us go see Flogging Molly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the the dangerous band Flogging Molly. <clears throat> I don't want to see Dropkick, Dropkick Murphys on St. Patrick's Day, though. No. I don't want to go to that show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see any Celtic punk band. In on, Boston. <laughs> on St. Patrick's Day. I don't want to die. <laughs> yeah. What are the Bostons? I had, a, I had a hard time watching Hot Snakes last night in Phoenix on a normal Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> How long have we been going? Do uh, I want to tag, tag on this story? Go for it. <laughs> so, people would not stand still. <laughs> um, he's walking back and forth to the bar. I'll I'll tell you the short version. I got pretty close to the stage. You know, it was probably like three, four people away. Everyone was pretty, you know, throughout most of Hot Snakes, everyone was pretty, you know, relaxed, not like moving around a whole lot, you know, bobbing their heads. Um, and there was a guy in front of me, just a short, stocky, big guy who was probably like the most animated out of everyone in the in the crowd close to the stage where I was. But he wasn't, like, bumping into people or moshing or anything like that. But at some point, towards the end of the show, this woman comes up and she's, like, staggering drunk. (laughs) She, like, hugs someone who's in front of me. It seems like they knew each other. And she's standing next to them for, like, a song. And then, like, one of the, like, they play one of these faster songs and it's not, like, necessarily one of my favorite Hot Snake songs, but the 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 stocky guy 
gets real into it. Like he loves this one, I guess. <laughs> um, and he starts, and he kind of like bumps into people a little bit more and like, but not even like excessively. It's just kind of like, cool. That's your jam. <laughs> but for some reason, the, the drunk woman who appeared out of nowhere, like, I guess took offense to that. And she starts like patting him on the back, just like repeatedly. She won't stop patting him on the back. And he, he's kind of like turns and looks at her and he's like, he does the thing that you do when someone's <laughs> touching you and you don't want them to. <laughs> and he just like, kind of like pushes her away. Like, you know, not like super aggressively, just like, Hey, stop. <laughs> um, and they just keep, she keeps doing it. She keeps patting him and he just kind of like pushes her some more. And like that song ends and then the next song starts and she moves up into his like peripheral vision, like next to him and starts like flipping him off and pushing him. And then she keeps pushing him and then she starts shoving people in front of him. So she like pushes <laughs> the couple that she like was, I guess, new in front of him <laughs> and then like keeps grabbing all these different people and shoving them towards the front and everyone's like what what are you what are you doing <laughs> all right i'll stand here <laughs> so he finally just gets mad and like storms off and then she just keeps pushing people <laughs> and she's moving all around through the crowd and then she goes over she's like out of sight somewhere I guess still doing this thing where she's pushing people towards the front for some reason. And then like sh- her and this other guy seem to get into it. And I guess it was just another person who was like, Hey, stop shoving me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like between songs, <laughs> John Reese goes over there and he's like, Hey, everybody be nice. <laughs> like what's going on over here? And he's like, what's going on? And she's like, he's not being nice. And he's like, why aren't you being nice? <laughs> and the guy's like, I didn't hear what the guy said. And he's like, you, you touched his lid? Like, <laughs> I guess she messed with his hat. Yeah. And it, it was just this weird, like, episode of, like, Mari. <laughs> like, John Reese trying to mediate between <laughs> this drunk woman and this guy who's just standing there. <laughs> you know... It's weird when I saw Hot Snakes last year, I it was a weird crowd. That was the one with the gigantic guy who reached halfway across the stage like the entire night. So like John Reese had to stay on one side of the stage to stay away from this like long-armed like <laughs> drunk dude laying across the stage the whole time. <laughs> Hot Snake shows I guess attract a weird audience, but yeah. <clears throat> desert trash <laughs> yeah that was even when they're not in the desert a large a pretty big percentage of the crowd <laughs> so next week we're talking about the year 1999 and we got number two on the album charts and it is orchid chaos is me and our ep for that episode is number 16 and it is envy angel's curse whispered in the edge of despair so a double dose of screamo yes the uh scrams of march as i have dubbed it not a thing. Um, it's whatever. <laughs> what are the Ides of March? It's a it's a Shakespeare thing, isn't it? Or <laughs> like Caesar got well, it's stabbed. The fifth, it's the fifteenth. Remember March. the remember the fifth of March. <laughs> uh, continue to follow us on all forms of social media. We're at Punk Lotto Pod at on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We have a phone number. You can leave us a voicemail. It's uh, 202-688-PUNK. And our email address is punklotopod at gmail.com. We have a website. It's punklotopod.simplecast.fm. Or actually, .com. I think it changed. It used to say FM, and now it just auto-corrects to .com. Um, yep, that'll do it this week. Give us a rating, a review, and subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and, you know, Podbean. I don't know what else there is out there. But... <laughs> Some weird Russian site that, like, skims podcasts yeah. off of other uh, services. I don't know. <laughs> but, yep, that'll do it for this week. Hey.
Ladies and gentlemen, what you're seeing is a total disregard for the things St. Patrick's Day stands for. All this drinking, violence, destruction of property. Are these the things we think of when we think of the Irish?